And we are back with Professional Wrestling, the podcast. On today's episode, this is a very special day, by the way. I am so super excited on so many levels. Today, we don't just have a bro. We got the bro. Made his professional debut very recently at Hamilton Pro Wrestling. Newest professional wrestler, sports entertainer. The one, the only, my favorite and only wrestling client, Mason Rush. Mason, thank you. Welcome to Professional Wrestling. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I've been trying for months, if not a couple of years, to get you on. And I've been asking you every week, sometimes once a month. And you always told me, when it's time, I will come. What I said to you is when I have a reason. Oh, that's what it was. When there's a reason to be here, I was going to I was gonna come here for you. Now well, I have one. Now we got the reason, buddy. <laughs> now we got the reason. Now we definitely have one. Well, as of the date of taping, so it's funny, the wrestling universe knows when good things happen. So not just one thing, it just comes, when it rains, it pours. So as of, as of this taping, yesterday became a new national holiday in the world of professional wrestling. July 18th is now known as Dirty Dom Day. <laughs> so, you know, my boy Dirty Dom. He did was, it was not a fan when he was a face. He joined forces with some other wrestlers, you know, known as the Judgment Day. <coughs> Dirty Dom, you know, having won gold before with his dad, Ray, they, they won the championships in WWE, the Tag Team Championships. But Dom went off to NXT, challenged for the North American Championship against Wesley. He came, he conquered. Dom is now a wrestling champion. How good does that feel? And now it doesn't feel good. It gives me a reason to watch NXT every week now. <laughs> right? Putting those WWE guys and girls in NXT makes a casual wrestling fan more likely to tune in 100%. Well, listen, until we get Mason Rush onto NXT, <laughs> in the meantime, we're going to have to spite our time somehow. And I That's guess it. Dom Mysterio being in the main event and winning championships, that could do her. 100%, yeah. I... Uh, I honestly didn't think it was going to happen, but I'm happy it did. Dom uh, put in his work, paid his dues. As I'm learning in the wrestling world, you have to pay your dues. And he did, and he was rewarded. And it goes to show, you know, I never saw that coming. When he came up, I never saw possible heel. He seemed like a sure face to me. Yep. Seemed like he'd be a mid-carder at best. Didn't see it going anywhere. I was not a fan whatsoever. They flip a switch all of a yeah. sudden, gets a little bit of persona going, and now I'm riding that. I'm not just riding that bandwagon. I'm driving that bandwagon. I don't think you're going to find a bigger Dirty Dom fan than I. So it goes to show you on professional wrestling, you never, ever know. You never now, know. Now, i got to ask you, first of all, Mason Rush, you know, when people come and talk to you, and they say, let me talk to you, <laughs> do you prefer being called a professional wrestler or a sports entertainer? How do you feel about that? That's a good question. I would, I would probably say I'm a professional wrestler, more so than a sports entertainer. Um, with that being said, I think I'm also a pretty good sports entertainer. So um, yeah, I think you got to combine the two if you want to become a great athlete, a great wrestler. I certainly agree with you on that one. And part of what, you know, being called professional wrestling, the podcast, not professional, but professional. But the idea is in this day and age now, what, what 
I really loving about wrestling is that we are going back to the art of wrestling. It isn't just all vignettes and talking and backstage shenanigans. There actually is wrestling again. You know, uh, watching the Forbidden Door pay-per-view that happened very recently and watching that card and what came about it, there is real wrestling going on. And I can tell you, Mason, having come to your training sessions, watching you, how you're performing out there, the time you're putting in, this is professional wrestling. And when you take those bumps and you learn the craft, this is professional wrestling. Yeah, 100%. I, I think if this was 20 years ago and I was the same person in the same position, I would not be nearly as likely to want to do this, mainly because I would look at TV and I wouldn't see anyone who looks like me. Right? Everyone was gigantic and larger than life, right? So unless you wanted to do the things required in order to get to that level, and lots of them, um, you were going to take a back seat or you weren't going to make it at all. Whereas now, you watch it and there's very few massive, unnatural looking guys. It's a lot more athletic builds, um, ex-fighters, ex-athletes, uh, and a lot more entertaining and exciting wrestlers to watch. That's what I think. Now I gotta ask you because uh, we're gonna talk about this in future episodes. We will bring you back and touch upon Hopefully. your wrestling debut, which was unbelievable, by the way. Thank you. The crowd went nuts for it, and rightfully so. Uh, where most of all for me was the physique. You know, you were known as the physique guy when you came out, and the way you looked out there, it was men among boys. Like, and from your end, you know, before getting into the world of wrestling. Mason, let's pull us back a little bit and understand how did we get here? So as far as, because you've always been in very good shape, training, let's learn a little bit about you as far as uh, gym life, uh, the world of CrossFit. What have you done in your life that in training and experience that led you to wrestling? Well, um, I think ultimately, Mo I would assume a lot of boys, a lot of boys and girls, whatever, grow up watching wrestling, right? Then you get to that age of eight, nine, when your friends tell you it's fake and why are you watching it? And right, it's not as cool. You go play a real sport and all those things. And you, only a select few kids have enough confidence to overcome that and continue to watch it. Most of them will say, yeah, and I'll stop watching and I'll go do other, you know, big four sports stuff that's a little bit more appealing people understand a little bit better um, and then later on in life you realize I don't care what people think of me this is awesome and if you don't like me for liking it screw you I don't give a shit, right like so I think that's why when you watch a wrestling event you see young kids and older people right you don't see like so many 18 to 25 it's it's people who have either they don't care because they're so young or they don't care because they're older what people think of them um, and I think that's why some of those passionate sports fans in the world are pro wrestling fans. They care so much because they're so invested in these characters and in the, uh, in the sport itself, right? So for me, um, as a kid, I loved watching pro wrestling. I loved Stone Cold, I loved The Rock. I loved watching all, all those guys, DDP, all the Buff Bagwell. But uh, you then kind of shift your focus into a hockey or a, you know school sports, volleyball, ultimate frisbee, track and field, stuff like that, all sports that I played. Um, and then ultimately you get to a point again when you're you know, 15, 16 where 
I want to go to the gym, I want to get into fitness, I want to build my body a little bit, and that's where it pretty much started for me. And I went to a gym called The Pavilion, which was in the city I'm from, and uh, started just getting into weight training, basic weight training, which I do think that every high school age person should do, boy or girl, like, right? Like that, that's something that you should, you should learn and skills you should develop at an early age. Um, and then from there, I still playing sports, going to the gym, and uh, decided that I was really into mixed martial arts, and I wanted to learn how to fight. I wanted to learn how to not only use my body to lift weights, but use it to, you know, defend myself, do damage, whatever, whatever I need to do. And I, uh, at 16 years old, walked into a facility called M1 Thai Boxing, which is in Woodbridge, Ontario. Great facility. And I trained there for a little while. I got used to, you know, basic Muay Thai skills, punching, kicking, elbows, knees, stuff like that. Uh, did the classes, did some privates. And then that summer, I went to university, um, Western University of Western Ontario. And uh, that's pretty much where everything started for me in the world of health and fitness. I went to school for uh, American studies, basic political science, BA, nothing with the gym, nothing kinesiology, nothing like that. And um, while I was going there, I started going to the, the rec center, which at the time they built a brand new state-of-the-art facility. So it was, it was even more incentivizing to go to the gym because you had your, your new equipment, you had all new people. It was a, it was a whole new kind of um, freshen up from the old gym, which was a dungeon that nobody wanted to go to. Right. And then you know, over, over time, training in that Western Rec Center, um, I met a lot of people, some of which are now my best friends and business partners. Uh, and over time, training and developing from more just working out, you know, I'm going to work my buys, I'm going to work my... You learn how to use the body as one unit and not individual muscles, which is more in the, in the bodybuilding world. I wanted to go more into the athletic side of things, right? So the first sport that I ever got into in the weightlifting world was powerlifting. Um, and the story of that is actually kind of funny because I was, uh, I was in the gym, just a cocky first year university student who thought I was awesome and uh, put on a bunch of weight. Someone said, you got to squat, man. Don't skip leg day. You got to do your legs. I said, okay, I'll go to squat. How hard could it be? Loaded up a couple plates and got buried, just buried. And I was so embarrassed, I stood up, I looked around, and there was a guy standing right there looking at me, shaking his head. And he goes, I knew that was gonna happen. And I said, all right, like, show me how to do it then. A couple years go by, his name is John Bailey, that's my, my business partner and best friend. And that's how it all started. And then he said, meet me here Monday, next Monday, I'm gonna teach you how to squat, I'm gonna show you how to do this properly, we'll get you into powerlifting. And that's, that was the start of basically my life. Um, and then that led into the Western Rec Center created the Western powerlifting team so we would compete all over London. Um, and then all after that, I started to get back into mixed martial arts again and Muay Thai. So I was doing powerlifting and Muay Thai. And when I was in London, I was training at a place called Suffer System, which was the grungiest, dirtiest dungeon of a gym you could imagine. It was in the wrong side of London, we used to call it East of Adelaide. It's, uh, I loved it, but if you were from the university side, you didn't cross to those side of the tracks. But in order for me to train, I had to. 
and uh, some of the best group of individuals that I've ever met in my life. London locals, people I would have never met had I not, you know, sucked it up, faced my fears, and walked into a place where I had no business going. Um, and that's where I learned how to train people, learned how to run classes, learned how to fight, learned how to you know, do Muay Thai, be part of a team. Um, and at that point, Muay Thai was illegal in, uh, in Ontario. So we had to go to the, the native reserves in Oneida, Ontario, uh, to high school gyms to, to basically fight in a high school in a, in a native reserve. Um, and that's what we did, and it was awesome. And then uh, we did that for a while. The gym actually closed uh, a year or two after. So not really much of a surprise. It wasn't. Uh, it was the classic uh, napkin membership gym. Pay me what you can afford, which breeds great athletes, but doesn't make you any money. So unfortunately, had to close. I then went to uh, Adrenaline, which is owned by Sam Stout, uh, Mark Hominick, and. Mark Hordesky, I believe, in London as well. Okay. Uh, Ex-MMA guys, ex-UFC fighters. That was a great gym as well. I trained there for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, and then that was in my last year of university. Once I graduated, um, I had nothing to do. And I was basically sitting at home and I love fitness. I love the gym. And I knew that that was what I wanted to do for a living. So I walked into a chiropractor appointment at SPC which was the Sports Performance Center. It doesn't exist anymore, but uh, I went for a basic Cairo adjustment mm -hmm. with Dr. Andre Ospina, and he said to me, why don't you run a little CrossFit program out of my gym? And I said, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I like it. I, I'm just getting into this. CrossFit's kind of brand new, and we'll see what we can do. So we invested a few bucks. We built a little rig. We bought a, like a shitty little set of bar and plates. Yeah. My mom, a couple of my friends were our first members, and we started in this little 400-square-foot room. And we won a set of equipment, one set of bars, one set of plates, one rig, and we made it work. And then within a few months of that, uh, the owners of SPC came to me and said, it's doing very well. Let's, let's expand. Let's move to another facility. So we did. We moved to a 16,000-square-foot facility. Uh, where they gave me a little bit of space to work for a gym and yeah. I took my 15 members from their little space We moved there grew it to 30 40 members and it got to another point where I said to them This is taking off and if you want to grow it you got to put in some money and they Basically said thanks, but no thanks and if you want this to continue You're on your own um, Luckily, my friend John was graduating from university. He wanted to be a trainer, open a gym. So I had 40 members, a good idea, and a friend who also had the same goal. Mm -hmm. And we took a big risk. And we took out a, uh, a small unit, 3,000 square feet, small loan from my parents, small loan from his, built our first little gym, yeah. paid back the loan in our first year, didn't make a penny for a long time until the point where we outgrew that gym. And then we moved into what is now Vaughn Strength and Conditioning 2.0 at uh, Keelan Highway 7, which is a 10,000 square foot facility, massive gym. Absolutely. We own a clinic and we've done it all. Yeah, so that's the, uh, that's the background that led to fitness. And then essentially because the business has done pretty well, it's given me a little bit of time to get back to doing hobbies that I enjoy, right? Which yeah. other than fitness, I do enjoy. But, right, right. Uh, and that led me into wanting to find somewhere to train and do professional wrestling. And 
here we are. And it's so funny, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time and uh, we've known each other from different realms. Obviously, I, mean, I could talk about, obviously, you know, from a lawyering side and then as it, you yeah. be, it became my trainer. Yeah. And uh, did I meet you originally, right? It was you, a friend of ours sent you to do my real estate deal and then from there it kind of just right, grew. And I meet you and uh, I'm, I'm boxing at the time yeah. and I, I think I'm going to become a semi-professional boxer. I want to go fight in a uh, charity event and that's my goal. And I meet you, I come to do one class and I'm like, I hate this. I'm never doing this. I'm never going back. And then I kind of thought about it for a while and then I came back and you know, we started training together. I, I had a few trainers at the time. And I thought to myself, they're not all going to last. You know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm working out with five people right now. Only one is going to end up being the last one. I know that. The one I expected the first to go was going to be you, to be honest. And I've told you this before because you challenged me more than anybody else. I hated my life. I hated my myself. And I, I just wasn't going, it wasn't going well for me in my mind. And when I stopped putting all that pressure on myself and I stopped expecting what I thought I was going to do and just let the process go, all of a sudden, I'm starting to show improvements, little incremental improvements. Sometimes it took years, but stuff happened. But you were the one person who stuck with me, cared at all, and we bonded that way. And it's funny, we've known each other all this time, and I didn't even know the story of how you came together with your partner, mm, your business it. partner. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's you learn something new every single day. And from there, you know, I always had the dream of being a wrestling manager. I love wrestling since I was very, very young, but I always thought of myself as a manager. I never saw myself as actually being a wrestler because I don't have that kind of ability. And when you first raised it with me, you know, the only thing I could ever see was, my, was myself managing. That's my role. I'm a lawyer. I advise people. And, you know, the best wrestling manager going right now is obviously the wise man, special counsel to the tribal chief. That's Paul Heyman. That's the gold standard. Just and, gold and standard. Yep. you know, Lord willing, I'm Paul Heyman 2.0. That's the way I saw it. So it only made sense. Chosen lawyer managing Mason Rush. And here we are today. And so I got to ask you before I jump into wrestling, I got to ask you one question that just popped into my mind. And I got to know this. Mason, from your estimation, when you're looking at people and you look at athletes, in your mind, how much of this is genetics and how much of this do you think is hard work? I can show you a picture of what I used to look like. Um, I was a scrawny, skinny little guy and uh, it took a long, I mean, I still kind of am, but it took a long time to right, build up to a point where you're not a skinny little guy, right? And that's so much discipline that a lot of people just are not willing to put in. Dude, I had no idea. I thought that Mason Rush comes out of the womb from the time you were like five years old, you were just killing it always. You were always genetically built. No. I thought this was something no. you were born with, plus you're a hard worker. Yeah, well, no, it was, it was just you get tired of uh, being called the skinny guy, right? Being not necessarily picked on, but like you, you get tired of, you know, not getting the credit you think you deserve because you're physically weak so there's only one way to change that it's hard work go to the gym and work your ass off and you've been doing that and you've been doing that for a lot of years and i can tell you you know since i've known you and it's been now several years you're the gold standard for me as far as fitness goes as far as physique goes and you know I, i'm always impressed at that kind of work and when you decided you were going to learn and train and you you were very serious about it and the first time I came to saw you in a ring, I was blown away. I, it looked like a guy who was out there for five, ten years. 
I couldn't believe yeah. it. It just started. Well, the, I mean, that's funny. So a lot of a lot of people who don't really know wrestling, they see my Instagram, they see what I'm doing, and they ask me about it, right? And and it's uh, my answer is really simple: is I I call it bodybuilding, acting, fighting. That's how I describe my brand of wrestling to other people, right? So the bodybuilding I've been doing for 20 years, 15, 20 years, right? Acting, that's what I did as a kid. I did commercials, I did modeling, I did stuff like that as a kid. I've acted in plays in school and then fighting, which is really all I've done for the last 15 years from Muay Thai to Jiu Jitsu to amateur wrestling, right? To boxing, I boxed at Grant's MMA for two years where I met you. And, uh, and putting all of that together and packaging it into pro wrestling, you have a really good leg up on the competition versus somebody who goes from watching Raw and SmackDown to then saying, I'm gonna be Shawn Michaels. Right? There's, there's a lot between I wanna be Shawn Michaels and, and being Shawn Michaels, right? And that's mm -hmm. called hard work. That's what that missing link is, right? And if someone wants to do that, it's not magic, it's just, it's a lot of work. But there's a lot of us, in fairness, that watch the shows and we say, okay, I could do that. I want to be a wrestler, you know? And whatever age you are, and, you know, whether it's eight years old or it's 18 years old or it's 58 years old, you know, everybody thinks yep. that they could do it. When did you, do you remember the moment when you actually woke up one morning or when you actually said to yourself, I want to do this, I want to train to be a wrestler? Do you, do you remember your aha moment when you actually put it in your mind that, I think I actually gonna do this. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was an aha necessarily one moment, but it was just it's you watch this, and you know I I probably got back into weekly watching wrestling a year and a half ago, okay. um, and it got to a point where yeah, I mean whether it's cocky or not, I would watch it and go I could do that, I could I could do that, and everyone would go no you can't, like yeah, no I can. I absolutely can. And as soon as I find a place where someone's going to let me show what I can do, someone who knows something will say, this, this kid's got something. This, kid, this guy's got something. And uh, that's pretty much what happened. Because if you, if you go into a, a, a test or an exam with most of the knowledge, like you're, you're going to do well on the exam, right? And it's basically the same thing that I did. It's, I didn't have any wrestling knowledge, but you show me how to do a few things and within five minutes I'm gonna be better than most people at it, right? Because of the physique and the strength and the stamina, the mobility, right? Like it's, it's everything that I've done led to me being able to package it as a professional wrestler. The only thing I needed to learn was how to be a professional wrestler, right? Which is difficult, but it's a lot more difficult when you can't run fast, jump high, lift things, throw things, right? If you come into the ring already knowing how to do that, and you learn arm ringers and hammer locks and headlock takeovers, right? Not that that's easy to learn, but if you're an athlete, you're gonna pick that stuff up quick and be able to figure out a way to package it into some sort of character gimmick that's going to work for you and that people are gonna like because it's believable, right? It's not a skinny, weak, soft person trying to pretend that they're a strong, powerful person. Right? You, look, you look at what's happening in wrestling, it's a lot of the young 20 to 25 year olds are starting to crumble because they're, they're faking it. Whereas the older guys, the LA Knights come in and that's the real deal, right? So you get a guy like Theory who wants it so bad and he works so hard, but you either have it or you don't, right? And mm -hmm. if you, 
one of one of the the chirps LA Knight gave them. If you if you don't believe in your own gimmick, your character, yeah. the crowd's not going to. LA Knight is almost not a gimmick. It, like, it's I, him. I, it's I, him, right? He yeah, comes out and he yeah. is that character, right? It's not okay. I'm going to go in a mirror and I'm going to tell myself that I that this is this is what's happening. You just you just do it. You show up and you put it on and and, and everybody reacts to the authenticity versus this is what I want people to think of my character. And I think because I was a fighter in an octagon, looking at somebody who wanted to hurt me as bad as I wanted to hurt them, now I go into a, into a wrestling ring, it's the same thing, but I'm not scared because I know I'm going to hurt that person, right? They want to hurt me, but it's not going to happen. And they can feel that confidence in me when we square up right away. So I got to ask you because, you know, we learned this firsthand together because we'd have our weekly training sessions and I'd be, you know, asking for updates and where the road is going. And it's not so simple to just enter the world of pro wrestling. Like you, you, there's no magical stores and magical gyms that just have open doors and big flashing neon lights. Yeah. Even if you, you got the it factor and you got the determination, there's a lot of digging to find the right place to train with the right trainers. And they don't just like welcome you in. You yeah. need to find, or you need to break, not gonna say break down the door, but it seems pretty close to it to be able to even get in because there's a lot of people that say they want to do it and there's only so much time to go around. They're going to save it for the people who actually are dedicated. Yep, 100%. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a process of trying to find a place to train because the first thing you think of when you're, right, a lot of the small towns have wrestling academies, right? But if you're from... A larger town or really in the, in the GTA that there's nowhere that's oh I want to be a pro wrestler that's where I'm gonna go if you want to do MMA if you want to do Muay Thai if you want to jiu-jitsu that there's tons of places it's very popular you can go do mm -hmm. it but to be a pro wrestler it's almost impossible to find a place so naturally I thought of you know ex-Canadian wrestlers who might have a school or might just want to work with a young hungry wrestler that didn't work, right? None of them even read your messages. You send them a DM, Nope. not a chance you're going to get a reply. So we kept looking and looking. Even if you got to uh, connect and someone goes to thing, talk to right? them. Everybody knows still. everybody, still but can't still. get you hooked up. Yeah. Yeah. So we went back to the drawing board and I uh, ended up finding a connection with a friend of a friend who knew somebody else in the wrestling world, yeah. which required me to make a promo video and go to a, a meeting, right? So that this person wouldn't feel like he was wasting his time sending me to one of his coach friends that he has. Remember that meeting well. And it was a great, it was a great meeting. And just like every other meeting, we yeah. knocked the doors down. Yeah. But uh, that meeting led to, okay, you're not, you're clearly into this. Yeah. Uh, give me a week and I'll, I'll get back to you with one or two coaches I think you'll work well with. And to keep in mind, this is not filming a video, taking a meeting for the actual coach, actual academy. No. This is for the connect this is for, so that right. they will make that call or that message. That's how still how many barriers correct, you have to. Right. Because, it's mind because, blowing. Because that guy, rightfully so. If somebody yeah, came yeah. to me today, I didn't get it at the time. I get yeah. it now. Yeah. Somebody came, a friend, I love what you do. I, how do I get into that? Yeah. I would probably be cautious too before sending them to my coach because the risk of injury is very high when you're either not there for the right reasons or you're putting the cart before the horse, right? There's just lots of things that can happen. So if you send somebody that just ends up hurting one of his wrestlers, it's going to look very bad on you. 
So he had to screen me before he would even introduce me to my, one of my now wrestling coaches, my main coach. Amazing. Can we give a shout out to your wrestling coach? Yeah, Rip Impact. Hamilton Pro Wrestling is the uh, first coach I worked with. Um, and I actually am fortunate enough to have two coaches. I work with Chris Chambers at Superkick Wrestling as well in Liberty Village. And uh, two amazing schools, amazing coaches, and totally unique styles, right? You, you learn one way here, one way, and you, you just package it together to create your your version of the best wrestler you can. I remember you and I are, you know, we always message each other and when WWE Raw or SmackDown are about to start and we message yeah. uh, then, now, yeah. forever, together. together. That's it. You know, and yeah. we, we kind of exchanged that back and forth. And yeah. You said pause in the intro, uh, check out who's beside uh, Sami Zayn. Do you notice who that is? I'm like, oh my God, that is Rip yeah. Impact, wow. Yeah. And I've gone down and met Rip, you know, yeah. one of the most down-to-earth, nice human beings you'll ever meet. And he is, he is known in the industry, and he's the real deal. His, his nickname is the epitome of wrestling, yeah. and he is the epitome of wrestling. It's, uh, it, it's worth the drive. I drive an hour there, an hour back, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's... Uh, the quality of the coaching is is unreal and uh yeah it's it i would recommend it to everybody if everybody's ever heard of the heart dungeon in calgary the stew yeah. heart dungeon and how many wrestlers got their starts up in calgary everything i ever pictured what the heart dungeon would look like in calgary that's rip's place in hamilton like that yeah is, it's uh it's 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 like straight out of rocky yeah, no luxury a, it's it's a ring it's a it's a ring and a door a and that's ring, a garage door and and uh <laughs> Just a bunch of badass guys and girls that want to that want to wrestle. There's one thing you know, uh, Mason, about learning wrestling and the physical side of it. Can you talk about a little bit about the mental side of it and the grind as far as going in for the training sessions? You know, taking those bumps, going to bed at night, waking up. It, it's not yeah, easy, the, right? It's not. It's not. People say it's fake. Yeah. I don't know. Those welts look pretty real to me. Yeah. No. When I when I went in, I. Uh, Again, like everybody, right? You're an athlete, you're strong, you're big, you think you're awesome. And, you know, Rip, Rip agreed. Like, obviously, he said, like, if this is something you want to do, you have clearly have a future in it. But like everyone else, no one goes back for the second, third, fourth time. Because after that first session, when you do your basic shoulder rolls, tiger rolls, right, back bumps, you take your first real bumps, it doesn't feel good, right? As fake as wrestling is, it really hurts especially when you're taking hard bumps from people who may or may not be good at it, right? So you gotta, you gotta be ready to work with people on all levels. But um, yeah, Rip, Rip is, is, is really good. <laughs> he's, no, he's fantastic. And I gotta say, you know, as your chosen manager, you know, I think you really picked a quality person there. I know you talked about Chris as well over at Superkicked. Yep. And once one person knows you, once one organization knows you, the community, it's a very, very small one. Word spreads real quick. And next week, we're going to talk about your debut, which was unbelievable, off the charts, when you actually got into the ring. The footage is there. I highly advise people, check you out on social media. We have all it's the all accounts. Mason, Mason Rush 33. <laughs> and you're going to see all about it. But as we end today's episode, got to ask you, for the person who's learning about Mason Rush, the wrestler, how would you describe yourself as far as the wrestler and the person? Who is Mason Rush? Mason Rush is a, is a dangerous, dangerous man that you don't want to get in the wrestling ring with. Straight up, right? He's going to punch you, he's going to kick you. 
do some bad things. And uh, it's not all going to be wrestling, right? We got, there's lots of mixed martial arts that, we, that I throw into everything that I do. And uh, a lot of good inspirations that wrestle today that I, that I look up to. So, yeah. It's one thing to watch you in training, Mason. When you got into that ring, the crowd is going. You know, I, I'm like a proud papa, but I, I still don't know what to expect. You never know if nerves are going to take over a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, it's... I, I can tell you, I saw only one thing in your eyes, and when you were going in and through the whole time, there was no fear. There was, I belong, this is what I want to do, and it was that certainty. And you can always judge a, a person by what's in their eyes. Yeah. And you yeah, had no, that excitement. It, it, even in, uh, yeah, going into the event, my friends, family, are you nervous? Are you nervous? You and I was not nervous. Like I've, I've done, like I said, plays, I've played high level sport. I've been nervous. I've had those butterflies. This was just excitement. I was ready to run through those curtains and introduce the world to Mason Rush. Well, save that, save the memories because we're gonna come back next week. We'll bring you back on and we're gonna talk about Mason Rush's debut at Hamilton Pro Wrestling. This is Professional Wrestling, the podcast.